Dynasty Blueprint with Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell. Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always today by Matt Williamson. Matt, you've been a busy man lately. How's it going? Going great. Uh, every Wednesday, I do a two-hour countdown to kick off for the Steeler game. I uh, get some free pizza, and they take care of business at the local watering hole. Just got back from that, so we are recording at a somewhat unconventional time, but this should be fun. Yeah, yeah, we've got another great guest this week and another DLF guy. You know, I think this makes three in a row DLF writers, and I won't even apologize for that. I'm that's getting kind of old, dude. Hey, now, come on, come on. <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, proud to be associated with with Dynasty League football, and uh, I think I say the same for uh, Eric Harder who is our guest today. He's a DLF writer. He's also the co-host of the Dynasty One podcast. Eric, how's it going? It's going well. I have a little bit of uh, deja, vu, deja vu. We just actually had Ryan on the Dynasty One podcast last night, so it'll be uh, interesting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're going we're gonna to talk with Eric a little bit about a couple of his Dynasty teams. And Eric, I don't want to put too many words in your mouth, but just judging by the looks of these rosters, I'm thinking you had certain expectation levels of these teams in the preseason and things for so many of us, uh, things have not gone like we expected early this season. So the the first league I want to talk about is a, a league that Eric is in with some, some family and friends, some college buddies, and it, it's not, it hasn't gone well, Eric, you're, you're <laughs> 0 and 5. Haven't, haven't found the win column yet. I'm assuming that means you're in last place, maybe in a tie for last place. Um, I'm just going to throw out some of the key players on your roster, and and we'll just talk about this team and kind of where you're going to go from here. So it's a it's a super flex league, if I read that correctly, Eric. You've got Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger, so pretty good shape there. You also have uh, Teddy Bridgewater on your roster, uh, and of course he uh, went down with an injury, and that's kind of a theme to this team. At the running back position, you've got Gurley and Jarek McKinnon. You had uh, also some injured running backs, Peterson, Woodhead, Amir Abdullah, and some really nice depth at the running, uh, I'm sorry, at the wide receiver position, Allen Robinson, Demarius Thomas, Cobb, Parker, White, Willie Sneed, Rashad Perriman, Tyler Boyd, among others. Josh Gordon. uh, Josh Gordon, yeah. (laughs) We we can't leave him out. All right. Um, So just, just throwing out some of those names, of course, Bridgewater, Woodhead, Abdullah, Peterson, Kevin White, and Josh Gordon are all out for the year. And, and basically those guys are not going to help you at all. And that's part of the reason you're 0-5. So just talk a little bit about this team, about your expectations before the season began, and, and kind of how that's changed in the past five weeks. Can I chime in real quick, just kind of looking at this sort of for the first time? you, know, you got to be killing yourself. You know I mean? Like, <laughs> this looks like man, I got a nice blend of youth, but I'm really ready to win now. You know, I think I'm talking about, you know, going into this season and you're 0-5, and so nothing went as planned. And it's, you know, now I'm interested to see what you're going to say of, do I blow the whole thing up? Do I try to survive and just tread water and come back for a roaring 2017 season? Because you're dead now. I mean, this this uh, team has a very interesting story. I won the league in 2013, and a lot of the guts were the same. And I went into 2014, and um, I actually at that point had guys like uh, Drew Brees. I had Brandon Marshall. I had Jamal Charles. Uh, still had Peterson. Had uh, Ray Rice. Still had Josh Gordon. That was the year. Once again, Gordon missed the whole season. Peterson was suspended. He Rice got suspended. Um and I just saw my team and, and said, you know, maybe at best I'm a fringe playoff team. Um, let me just blow it up. I traded Breeze. I traded Marshall. I traded Charles. I was able to get guys like Allen Robinson, get a couple of first-round picks, uh, bought really low on Tyler Eifert. And, and um, so then I came in, you know, last year. It was a pretty good team, made the playoffs, lost in the first round. But I had a lot of these, these first-round picks, you know, Gurley, Perriman, White, uh, Devonte Parker, and I'm like, all right, this is looking really good. Like you said, I have this really nice mix. I think I have guys who can help me right now. I think my future is solid, and it all just went to crap for for one reason or another. Um, you know, injuries have been killer. We have three 
injured reserve spots. And so I've already filled that up. I, I'm keeping IR guys on my bench. I even had a guy like Shane Vereen who I just dropped because, I mean, honestly, I, I was looking for people who might actually help me this year. And, uh, you know, maybe he would have helped me a little bit while Rashad Jennings was out. But honestly, I can't justify the spot if he's probably going to miss the rest of the year. So yeah, injuries have been the big story. And then even last week, I, I put up the second highest score in the league and played the guy who had the, the, the top score. So <laughs> I, I told myself. Not your okay, year. No, it is It is not my year. This feels like 2014 all over again when, uh, you know, I lost half my team for – that was more suspension than injury, but um, – <laughs> You know, I told myself I'm playing a because I do have sole position of a last place. I am the only winless team, but I'm playing a team with one win. And you know, we've seen you know six and seven teams sneak into the playoffs before. So I said, let's see what happens this week. If I can get to one and five, maybe put up a big score because that's going to be our tiebreaker as points scored for the year. Maybe we'll ride it out. Could I possibly win six out of the next eight games? I still feel like I have a pretty decent roster. Maybe I can suffer through these bye weeks better than some of the other teams. Um, but if I lose this week, you know, it's it's over. But that, of course, is the next question. How do you blow up a team where the veterans are the ones who are hurt and they carry absolutely no value right now? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's really the the tough position you're in, and and even a lot of these players that are not hurt have disappointed. You know, Gurley has. I don't want to say he's a bust. He's he still has that dynasty value, but he's a guy that's hard to put in your weekly lineup. Cobb has been disappointing. Parker has been disappointing. Demarius Thomas even has had some struggles, and Allen Robinson has dropped off from last year, which we all expected. So, yeah, everything, everything is just hitting at once with this team, and it doesn't look like it's your year. I think it's admirable that you're giving it one more week, and, um, you know, let's see how this, this last week goes before, you know, maybe you make some big moves. So let's, let's say, you know, once again this week you do go down and defeat, you go to 0-6, then what? You know, do you trade? Do you trade their those quarterbacks, knowing they have a pretty high value in a super flex type league? Um, I mean, I'm assuming you're not trading Gurley, you're not trading Allen Robinson or Parker. I don't know where where do you go from here? Yeah, I mean that's that's the problem. It's really tough uh, seeing the moves that I'd be able to make. I guess the most obvious name from like an ageism standpoint would be Demarius Thomas because. I think he's still right on that wide receiver one periphery. Um, and it's, it's kind of a unique scoring setting, so it's not like we're more um, uh, yardage-centric than touchdown-centric. So I think he's like maybe right outside that wide receiver one periphery. Um, but, you know, when you're starting a minimum of three receivers, he's obviously going to be a startable asset and a high-end startable asset at that. So maybe he's a guy you look to trade because I think he's turning 29 uh, this season. Maybe when Tyler Eifert comes back, you know, as much as I like him, he does seem to miss some time with injuries and he could have more value to someone looking in like a one-year window and maybe you could get me a draft pick and we know how those appreciate in value. You know, the problem is that I look at some of these other guys like a Dennis Pitta, for example, or a Zach Miller at tight end and it's it's very like nice to say these are guys you sell high on, but what is someone going to pay? Maybe maybe a third-round pick for something like that, if you're lucky? Yeah, you're in a bind here. I mean, like, like Ryan said, it's like, boy, it'd be great if Gurley looked like what he's capable of, and you could get three first-round picks more. You know what I mean? Or, But nobody's going to give you what you need. Obviously, Peterson and Woodhead don't do anybody any good, even Abdullah. I mean, maybe Eifert comes back and yields you something, but – I don't know. I mean, I think that's a good question. I think you're really in a bind. What's your draft pick situation look like? Um, I actually do not have my first next year because I used that to get Randall Cobb last year thinking it was a super smart move. And that did not really pan out for me. I mean, I guess you can pray that he turned the corner last week. I don't know. Um, I I have a tough time trusting any of my guys right now on this roster with obviously good reason. Uh, You know, the quarterbacks, they carry some value. Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger, it's just – you know, my third quarterback is Bridgewater. We don't know what's happening with him. You know, they obviously made the trade for Sam Bradford. So, and there was reports before that that he might might not even be ready uh, next year. So, 
mean, th- those are guys who I think could net me a decent windfall because they're both top five scorers right now, uh, given our scoring setting. And um, But again, I, I also kind of look at it like, you know, for a quarterback, they're not that old. Well, they're, what, 33, 34, I think. I could see them each having another solid three to four years. And and in Dynasty at quarterback especially, you know, that's that's still a decent chunk of time. So I, I'm almost even loath to say, let me trade them just because they're kind of older and they're scoring a lot of points. So I am in a bind because I, I do like the makeup of my team, but it's like if, you know, okay, so Kevin White's injured, that, that sucks, but I wasn't planning on starting him. But if it was maybe like, Parker was hurt. Perriman was hurt. I wouldn't worry that much. But unfortunately, the guys I would want to trade, the older guys, the Woodheads, the Petersons, they're the ones who are hurt. And, and as such, they just have zero trade value right now. So it really is just a kind of a crummy situation to, to be in. Yeah, and although when you're, the next rookie draft happens, you know, somebody might want Peterson. Somebody might want Woodhead. You know, I mean, you don't have to do it right this second. Right. You're doing a heck of a job losing games on your own anyway. <laughs> Except you don't have your first round pick. Yeah, it's you know, one of those things where I thought, first round pick for Randall Cobb, are you kidding me? And that has not worked out the way that I planned. So uh just one of those things. Um, you know, again, all the best laid plans preseason, you know, they can go to crap pretty quickly. And this this has just been a you know, one calamity after another. So I'm I'm still by all Miracles actually favored to win this week, but whatever that means, not much based on the way my season's gone. So, Ryan, are you with me and just say, you know, stay on course, don't do anything stupid? <laughs> it's basically, you know, just don't ruin things any further than they've been ruined for you already. It's not worth making trades just to make a trade. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, I would explore a trade of Demarius Thomas, you know, depending on what you think of Willie Sneed as a long-term asset, he could be a sell high type guy. Yeah. I mean, beyond that, you you really have to just kind of hold and wait. I don't think you're getting anything for Peterson. You know, maybe you get a late second or, or an early third rounder. It's probably in this case, you know, just better off to hold at that point. Have I told you my Peterson theory yet? Uh, I don't think so. I think he's gonna be a Patriot next year. You know, it seems like every available or, or potential <laughs> well, yeah, player I guess I'm is going to be a Patriot, right? So, <laughs> um, but okay, let's let's hear it. what makes you think that. Well, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Is he's expensive? <laughs> they're winning without him. I think there's a very very little chance that he comes back to Minnesota at the price, at the uh, injury situation. And I bet Belichick's just over there, you know, twisting his mustache, saying, "We'll take you." McKinnon's look pretty good too. Yeah, and they'll just draft somebody. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's almost certainly gone unless they do some type of renegotiation that they're they're both happy with. I don't know. I, I wonder what type of contract he gets just from that, you know, that name value. Um, he's always been connected to the Dallas Cowboys. Um, they don't want he, him now, right. If he were to leave uh, Minnesota, I think that, you know, that's that's obviously out the window unless he's ready to take a backseat. I, I wouldn't think that would be the case. Last thing on him, just as this crossed my mind, is I, I think, you know, I spent basically four years of my life just watching recruiting tape all the time and have seen a lot of guys that have gone on to have, you know, that were I watched in high school that went on to have great college, you know, college and then pro careers. And he's the one guy, I only watched his highlight tape. He's the one guy that I thought watching him at the time at high school didn't have to go to college. And he could just skip that whole step and be like Kobe Bryant and go right to the pros. He was that unbelievable. And he's, you know, he's been one of the guys that, that has panned out, you know, from high school to college and, of course, from college to the NFL. And, you know, we're, I mean, we're having this conversation, Eric, not because we want to, you know, rub in the fact that you're struggling with this team, but because so many, so many of us are, you know, so many of us are in the same situation. So many of our listeners are dealing with these injuries mounting up. I mean, you said you had three players already on injured reserve and, and some others that would be eligible if you had the spots. And, and I had the same thing. I've got multiple players on injured reserve in, in different teams and, and having to carry those guys on my active roster, you know, just hearing your perspective and, and kind of potential moves you would consider with this team. That's why we really want to dig into to this team and our, our next one that we'll talk about before we get to that though. Yeah. 
I, yeah, I'm ahead, jumping, out of my, jumping out of my skin over here. I want to tell everyone what's going on. We have a new sponsor, Harry's. They make razor blades. Send them right to your house at a discount price. The quality is awesome. You haven't gotten your package yet, but I got one yesterday. And I had a nice chat with the Harry's representation today and said, hey, you know, we're going to do Dynasty Blueprint tonight. I haven't used your product yet, but, you know, I'll, I'll read the stuff you want me to read. And, and they're like, no, 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 no. Just I want you to use it first. And I'm like, all right. Um, you know, I, I'm an electric guy because usually when I use a blade, I, I, I have very sensitive skin. I'm a very sensitive guy. And I break out. And so I'm like, all right, I'll give it a try. I'm going to do this Steeler thing. I'll get a nice clean shave before that. I won't have to shave tomorrow morning. I'll try out the product. It's awesome. It, it, my, my skin is very, very smooth. I came home from the thing tonight. I'm like, I went to my wife, Nick, and Nikki. I'm like, you got to feel my face. It's unbelievable. It's, I, I haven't had a feeling like that in my life. And it's because these blades are really, really good. So that's my new experience with Harry's. I'm, I'm sold. I'm in. Um, they're two bucks a blade as opposed to like four or more when you go to the drugstores. And I was talking to the representative and these blades, they own a factory in Germany that have been making razor blades for close to a hundred years now. And, and we don't know about it here, but they're considered like the Mercedes or BMW of what they do. And you can tell, I mean, the, the quality is really, really good. So there is a special offer for our listeners. Harry's is so confident in the quality of their blades, they'll send you their popular free trial set, which comes with a razor, five-blade cartridge, and shaving gel. The shaving gel is nice. Get, get your free trial set when you subscribe. Pay just three bucks for shipping. You I mean, basically, you're just paying for sh- shipping, and they send you all these things for free. Plus, there's a special offer just for our listeners. If you put Dynasty at the checkout, they give you a big container of the, the post-shave balm as well. So... That's another bonus. So for three bucks, you get to try out the product, and that's only just covering shipping. Use Dynasty code, and boom, you're in. You get the extra shave balm, and you get to keep it if you don't like it. But you don't like it. Call to action here. I must mention this, that, and in a special offer just for our listeners, you enter the code Dynasty at checkout. You get the shave balm free with your order. Go to harrys.com, H-A-R-R-Y-S.com, and enter the code Dynasty at checkout. Claim your free trial set, post-shave balm. That's harrys.com. Trust me on this one. You're going to like it. You know, H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com. Good stuff. And we hope to have them as a sponsor for quite some time. I'm very high on the product, as you can tell. All right, Eric, before we move on to our our next team, your next team, I should say, I wanted to ask really quickly about a couple of these, uh, again, these injured players on your roster. So Danny Woodhead is one, and he's he's a guy we've talked, I feel like we talked all summer you know, recommending our listeners go out and, and steal him for a late second or an early third, and you'd have a starting running back for the entire year at, at a cheap cost. And and things were going that way, you know, very early in the season before he had this uh, ACL injury. So you've got him on your roster. I had him on a ton of mine. I've dropped him in my leagues. I don't think he's going to be back in San Diego. He's 30 or 31 years old. I'm just not sure he's even worth a roster spot at this point. I I know looking at your roster, there are fairly deep, deep rosters, lots of roster spots with this. So maybe you've got some room. Maybe the waiver wire is kind of ugly, but have you considered dropping him or is he a guy you're definitely going to hang on to? Maybe he'll go to New England. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm, I'm still planning on, on holding on to him. I think, um, you know, you can't predict what's going to happen. Like I mentioned, I'm I'm already overflowing my IR into my bench spots, and uh, and and that's not good. But you know, I, I mean, like I have Josh Gordon on my roster. I think I'd probably rather drop Josh Gordon at this point. Which, by the way, is probably my biggest regret not trying to sell him um, several weeks ago or even in the off season. Uh, I'm not sure what I could have gotten, but um, he's he might have the least value out of anybody on my roster. To be quite honest. Um, so I, you know, I, I want to hold Until on New to England my certainly. What's that? Till New England picks him up. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, you know, it's uh, it's tough because I understand the concerns. He's old. He's he needs that shiftiness, and if any of that's compromised, he's he's not the same player. 
you know, and I, I do like Melvin Gordon, but I, I do think like a, a lot of his deficiencies have been masked by the touchdown scoring this season. So I'm, I'm not convinced that like San Diego is completely still sold on him. And, and maybe Woodhead even comes back for like the veteran minimum because he's coming off an injury and they just have that. Fami- well, of course, assuming that coaching staff is still in place, but um, just because they have the familiarity with him. So, I mean, there's probably a better than 50% chance that, I'm going to take a loss on it, but yeah, I just, I, I'm not quite ready to quit him. All right. So let's move over now to your, your other team that we want to talk about. This is a much better story. So this is kitchen sink four. It's actually one of the leagues that, that I run. This is the first year of this league. We held the startup auction in the off season, along with the Debbie auction and a lot of other things. Uh, but this team is off to a great start. You're you're seven and three. We have double headers in this league, so you're Bro, seven, coach me up on that. You play two different teams at the same time. Two different teams each week, basically. Yeah. Wow. So you put does it one roster you put in? Yes. I mean, like yes. one starting lineup. Yeah, just one lineup, and, and you're just matched up with two different teams. Uh, we also use victory points in that league rather than win loss standing. And I found just in, in the few years that we've done the kitchen sink leagues, you know, the cream really rises to the top. You're, you're not going to see a team just get lucky and, and win a championship. If you know, the teams that are winning titles in, in those leagues are really earning them between the victory points and the double headers and the unique playoff system that we have. Tell me what a victory point is too, please. Sure. So a victory point is a, a setting on my fantasy league and each week you you can earn a victory point with a win. So you get a win, you earn a victory point. And then there's also some scoring settings. If you're in the top, from what I know, I'm not a hockey guy at all. Apologies to you, Matt. But from what I can tell, this is kind of similar to some of the hockey scoring. But basically, if you're in the top third of the scoring for that week, you get two victory points. If you're in the middle third, you get one. If you're in the bottom third, you get zero. So you could end up 0-2 but still get a victory point if you had a good week and just did battle with two really good teams. Exactly. So the situation that that Eric found himself in uh, last week where he – in the other league we were talking, he was the second highest scorer in the league. He came out of it with nothing. If you're using a victory points format, you at least get – you know, you at least get a little something out of that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this team that Eric came up with through our auction and, and the, any trades and, and waivers that he might have made, really strong roster. Again, this is a super flex league similar to the last one. Eric, you have Breeze, Dalton, and Flacco, so not a lot of flash there, but, but those guys are performing well for you. At the running back position, you have Duke Johnson, TJ Yeldon. You also have Amir Abdullah, who we, we mentioned before, is, of course, out for the year. And then at the wide receiver spot, you've got Julio, Jeffrey, and Marshall as kind of your your big names. You also have some nice depth, Tavon Austin, Doug Baldwin, Travis Benjamin, um, Willie Sneed again. He's, he's a guy you like. And then you have Ertz and Antonio Gates at tight end. A couple guys that you actually haven't gotten much from those two this year. But you're still 7-3. You're in second place in the league. And – and I would think maybe off to a better start than you imagined. Would would that be fair to say? Um, well, firstly, you're 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 too modest because I am second place behind you, Ryan, who is uh, currently uh, leading the league right now. I I think I had the uh, edge by one point last week. I got a little full of myself. I I posted the uh, standings on Twitter, and now I'm I'm down to number two. Um, McDean, you know, do you have a bad team in any league you're in? Uh, yeah, I've got a, I've got a couple of bad ones that we, that might be our next show. Let's talk about (laughs) your one or two bad teams in the 43 leagues you're in. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, so this, you know, they're, they're called kitchen sink because it really is everything but the kitchen sink. It's super flex, it's tight end premium. And then the starting requirements are just very bizarre. It's you start, um, at, at a minimum one, a piece of quarterback receiver, tight end and running back. And then I think we have what six flex players after that. So, or sorry, uh, five flex and one super flex. So yes. you can start two two quarterbacks and then five whatever the hell else. So, you know, my um, my strategy was I, I I saw you know okay well we only need to start one running back and kind of getting with the times in the off season, which is to say you could probably find cheap production. I I overspent on T.J. Yeldon was my big mistake. This was I think. 
only my second auction and I was a lot more bullish and perhaps still still am. That's a hill I'm probably going to die on, admittedly so, um, about Yeldon. I Yeldon. Yeldon's still my guy. I, I, I believe in him. I think he is super explosive. Those three yards behind the line of scrimmage where a defender first meets him. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm really hoping that, that, you know, maybe he turned the corner against the Colts. But, you know, if nothing else, he's decent in a PPR setting. And, sure. and my goal with running back was – get pass catchers. So I took Johnson, I took Yeldon, I took Abdullah and, and try to get like 10 to 12 points per week at the position, try to not have the position kill me essentially. And then load up at wide receiver, which I think I was effectively able to do with some of the guys Ryan mentioned. And, you know, I had some injuries, Ertz missed a few weeks. Abdullah is on IR. Um, but you know, all told, I, I felt pretty positive coming out of the draft. Um, you know, people obviously built their teams different ways. You know, there were some that skewed kind of youth centric and uh, acquiring a lot of uh, rookie picks, Debbie picks. And um, there were some that, that looked like a redraft team. And honestly, in, in a contract league, that is not a bad strategy because you have 24 guys in 60 contract years. You can only give so many four-year contracts. So there is like that redraft kind of aspect to it. And, you know, I tried to tier my guys so that, you know, I have my four-year contracts like the Julio's, the Alshans, three-year contracts like your Doug Baldwin, Marshall, two-year, et cetera, et cetera. So kind of hoping that I would, um, you know, be able to weather the storm, even if some of these guys come off the contract. And, you know, I, I think, I feel good right now, obviously, because I'm in second place, but because I've put up a top eight score every week, and that's important for victory points. It means I haven't been shut out of any week so far, and I think I've, at the minimum, gotten like at least three out of the six victory points every week. And But I kind of feel like, like Alshon Jeffrey, I think he'll turn it around. I'm hoping I can get a little bit more out of running back. And... Um, I haven't had like my guys really like all mesh in the same week, which is kind of weird to say. So like I put up some, some good scores, like a couple of top four scores to get those victory points. But, you know, I feel like I've more established a floor than a ceiling and I'm really hoping that, you know, I can um, turn that around and uh, maybe this is something we'll talk about. How will I go about doing that? So I think the really interesting thing is, you know, when you look at these two teams, probably outside of Julio Jones and Alshon Jeffrey, this kitchen sink team doesn't have a lot of that, you know, a lot of that flash that, that really gets uh, dynasty owners excited. And I think if, you know, if we were just to poll, which team would you rather own? If you're just taking over one of these teams, I think most people would pick your, your Owen five team that has Gurley and Allen Robinson and Cobb and Parker and, and some of these, uh, some of these names that people covet so highly Ryan, do you think that's absolutely true if they did it before the season started? You know, if we had this in June, everyone in the world would take the 0-5 team, don't you think? Oh, I think, Kevin yeah. White, Parker. Certainly in June, and I think it's still the case. You know, even though Baldwin's putting up numbers and, and Marshall is Marshall, putting them yeah. numbers, Willie Sneed. You know, those guys are – we talked about this last night on, on Eric's show. Those guys are just kind of boring to own. And, and for whatever reason – Parker and White and Perriman and Cobb have that, uh, you know, that appeal to so many dynasty players. I, I got a quick take on this too. And first of all, my the thing that I noticed most is there's two of your teams, and the only guy that I see on both of them is Sneed. And I don't know if that's a mistake I make, but I have I'm in six leagues and I own a lot of the same people throughout. You know, I own a lot of stock in the same guys, and to me, that's, you know, if I like them, I'm going to go get them. I, I don't care if I own 100% stock in them or not. And obviously it hurts you when they go down or they don't play to expectations. But do you guys have a theory on that, that I want to diversify? So, if, you know, I don't too much invested in one player because I'm kind of the opposite. Well, for me, um, my ESPN league is entering its seventh year. So I think in a sense, it's a little bit different, like from a team building standpoint, um, you know, a lot of these guys weren't even in the league 
uh, when we sure. when we did that first draft. And and um, you know, yeah, I, I missed my chance in the rookie draft to get some of these guys. But like for example, I started um, two new leagues this year. One was Kitchen Sink. Another one was one of the uh, reality sports online leagues. And they're actually kind of similar. They're both contract leagues, so they're like the kind of you know mesh point between redraft and dynasty. And between those teams. I actually have a lot of similar players. I have Alshon on both of them. I have uh, Tavon Austin on a on both of them. Willie Snead. Actually, I don't have Snead in that one, but um, uh, Marsh. Like it's yeah. Between these two, there's not a lot of similarity. But in some of my other leagues, like you know, this is I think the ESPN league might be one of the few leagues I don't own Tavon Austin in, for example. And okay. um, so you know, I I'm honestly you know as boring as it is, like a fence sitter when it comes down to like getting my guys. I'll get them at value if. If, and, and by value, I mean, I think they will outproduce their price point, even if that price point is expensive. But, you know, sometimes maybe I just missed my shot and now I'm kind of priced away from them. And, and with so many, I think, like good fantasy players like Tavon Austin, I know he is like a, a total punchline and I get that. But, you know, I look at the numbers and in three of five games, he would have gotten me at least 10 PPR points. So that's not good but it's not going to kill me. You know, there were two games where he would have killed me, but I think I also got him for like 2% of my budget in the kitchen sink league. So, you know, getting some of the guys like that when you can't get the bigger names is just another way of uh, not even necessarily diversifying, but just kind of trying to keep the cupboards stocked a little bit. My other take on this team is it looks to me like, and I don't know what the other teams in the league are, but it looks to me like you're good, but not good enough. You know, and who knows what happens when you get in the playoffs and all those things. But unless Alshon Jeffrey becomes a total stud, which could happen, you know, I would be buying him in leagues right now. I don't see, uh, you know, a no-brainer best team in the league type of situation here. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and, uh, you know, I think one thing I definitely would like to do looking at my team objectively now is bolster the running back position a little bit, maybe get one of these bell cow type running backs. And even if it's an older guy, again, it's a contract league. So that doesn't bother me too much. Um, and, um, you know, see where that goes. But, you know, I've picked up a few guys off of the waivers, like a Jeremy Curley, uh, Cameron Meredith. And uh, the thing about that is, you know, they're on one year contracts. And so I think they might be of some help to me this year, but, odds are they're not going to really bring too much on the trade market. So it, it asks the question, if I'm trying to compete, I don't want to trade the guys that I'm planning on starting on a weekly basis. So now we're entering the realm of draft picks and Devi picks and, you know, some of the guys I have on my taxi squad, which is nothing special, but maybe somebody likes a Paul Perkins or a Wendell Smallwood or an Elijah Hood coming out of college or something like that. So that's when you have to make the decision. Do I want to sort of mortgage the future and make that push and, you know, it's something I've kind of uh, struggled with. I don't want to do it wholeheartedly because if if you don't win, then moving forward, your league's, you know, your team's just not going to be quite the same. But in a league that's this tough, I mean, when you have, when you ultimately have to beat 23 teams is what it comes down to because it's uh, two different uh, conferences and you have to play the winner of the other conference to, uh, you know, it could be facing some of your own guys, as it turns out, um, you know, to beat 23 other teams it it takes some sacrifice if you didn't build that perfect roster. But where I was going with that is, okay, you're seven and three. Now you get two wins, you know, two wins or losses every week. If, if we were to have a conversation two weeks from now and you were seven and seven, do you say, you know, Marshall, maybe Baldwin breeze, you know, that you start putting those guys on the block. I mean, probably not, just because okay. it's it's a contract league. Marshall, for me, is on a two-year contract. Uh, I think Breeze is on a three-year contract. And and so I just I don't approach this team like a traditional dynasty team, um, just because, again, you know, you can only have 60 contract years. I'm going to have some of these rookies coming off of, you know, coming on to contracts next year. I still have um, – actually, I think I have, like, I've actually picked up a second-round pick, so I have, like uh, – more than my initial share of picks. I have all my Devi picks. So, you know, I guess you could say, how are you going to make room for them? But, I mean, you know, there's going to be 120 people starting in any, in, in, in any given week because we have 12 teams and 10, 10 players starting on each team. So, you know, all, all hubris aside, I do feel like looking at my roster, I think I can weather the storm of injuries and bye weeks. I think I have enough depth to kind of, like, get me through and – 
And, you know, I, I really want to believe that that second place right now, like, isn't a mirage. Well, and, and going back to your point, Matt, you know, this team may not look on paper like a championship team, but again, this is our first year. So, you know, as, sure. as leagues go on, that imbalance is created. You know, again, the cream rises to the top. The better owners are stealing those guys on from the waiver wire. They're making the savvy trades. And in year three and four and five, you've got some real powerhouse teams in, in typical leagues. Those things aren't happening in this league yet because we're, you know, we're less than six months into the league and everyone's pretty balanced. You know, I mean, there's, there's better teams and, and lesser teams, but a lot of that is by design. So, you know, for, for Eric to have Baldwin and Jeffrey and Julio and Marshall, that's, I'd say that's just about the best in the league as far as his wide receivers. Because like you said, he's only had one year to really put his time and effort and blood, sweat, and tears into it. Right. Or less than, you know, six months. Yeah, and, and Eric, I feel like you and I actually built our teams in a similar fashion. We both, uh, it, it looks like, wanted to get multiple starters at the quarterback position considering the super flex. Um, I ended up with Carr, Stafford, and Tannehill. Uh, I waited on on the running back position. I, I have Geo and Hyde and uh, Latavius Murray. A little bit of a weakness there for me as well. And then at wide receiver, wide receiver, I have Amari Cooper and Cobb, of course, Fitzgerald uh, and Floyd. And and then I just loaded up at the uh, tight end position with taking a lot of chances on guys. Uh, luckily, Jimmy Graham was one of those guys, so that's looking like it's going to pay off. But I think overall our teams were built in a similar uh, with a similar blueprint, if you will. And for us to be the top two teams, I think that says something at this point. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely happy with it so far. And again, I, I obviously this is some sort of myopia to to say I think I I think the best is yet to come, especially when it comes to a guy like you know Alshon Jeffrey, who I really believed had like top five potential, and and even just like getting more consistency from a guy like Julio Jones. You know, yeah, he'll he's had three you know that that amazing week and two other very good weeks, but he's had you know two clunkers, and then I'm just kind of you know, maybe Snead can come back strong from the injury. Ertz will hopefully assimilate more into that offense. And, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, it's calculated, you know, risk because again, there's, there's no slouch owners in this league and it is a very deep league in terms of, you know, we're starting 120 skill position players, you know, on, on, on any given Sunday. So um, yeah, it's uh you know, we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm hoping for the best. And based on my 0-5 team, I know what it feels like to brace for the worst. So that'll be like old hat to me. <laughs> I wanted to hear your thoughts, both of your thoughts about this. You know, when we look at teams like these, uh, like both of these, whether they're off to surprisingly good starts or, or disappointing starts, it's so easy to look at those rosters and say, yeah, just trade Demarius Thomas for two first rounders or sure. <laughs> yeah, order running back. Just go, uh, you know, just go buy Frank Gore for a third rounder or for the running back store. And yeah, it's really easy to throw out that advice, whether it's on Twitter or on the, you know, the DLF forum or, or just having a conversation with a buddy. But I don't know, in my leagues, I have found that it's, it's actually pretty difficult to to make those deals. You know, you you have to find the right trade partner. If you're a contender, you have to find, you know, you start at the bottom of the standings. That's what I do. And just look at those teams that are winless or maybe have one win. And, you know, what pieces do they have that can help me? A lot of times that may be, there may not be a player on that team that can, that can help my roster. So, yeah, I just want to hear from both of you, your thoughts on that. Do you find it difficult to make, some of those obvious type deals at some points? Yes. And Demarius Thomas was a perfect example. And I think we talked about a couple of weeks ago where I took two thirds, Zach Ertz and another player I liked and, you know, nothing, certainly not superstars. And I caught a lot of heat on, you know, iTunes or on uh, Twitter. And um, even Chad Parsons sent me a note out of the blues. Like, well, why would you do that? You know, I'm like, well, I've been trying to shop this guy for a year and a half and it's the best offer I got, you know, and easier said than done. And I'm still happy with it. I, I turned those pieces into other things. Yeah. It's not like just going to the store with, I got five bucks in my hand. I'm going to buy a gallon of milk and, you know, thing of eggs. Somebody has to say yes. And I find that harder and harder to be honest with you. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a difference between theory and practice. In theory, I will sell Jeremy Curley high because he's doing better than what many expected. He's, I guess, basically doing what people wanted Bruce Ellington to do. And um, let's say hypothetically, even like if Blaine Gabbert was going to keep starting, because we don't know how it's going to shake down with Colin Kaepernick there. Nobody's buying Jeremy Curley because he's no, Jeremy right. Curley. You know, I'm a third round pick for him. Yeah, exactly. And that's probably right. your best case scenario right there. So, so that, you know, practice versus theory, you're really not going to get much. And honestly, I'd rather probably just hold on to him if, if I do think I'm contending and I'm trying to plug holes in bye weeks or brace for injuries, you know, I think I'd rather just hold on to a Jeremy Curley or a Cameron Meredith and hope that they'll have the, you know, the good weeks when I choose to play them. But yeah, you know, giving advice, it's, it's such a multifaceted thing because you can say, yeah, you know, buy low, sell high, et cetera, et cetera. But like Ryan said, it depends on your trade partner, you know, because obviously the person who owns that player or who might be interested in that player, um, maybe it's someone who doesn't trade that much. Maybe they're conservative. Maybe, you know, you, like Ryan said, you, you just don't have team needs that team needs that really mesh with one another. And there's just, it's, it's a constant flux of variables, especially as the season goes on. So, you know, we, you you try to adhere to, you know, like what you really believe to be like the best moves you can make, but that'll only get you so far. And don't you think it's easier in the off season? You know, because you, you put an offer out on Tuesday, then people are waiting on waivers, and then the Thursday night game happens, and your your trades all messed up, and then you know people are busy. There's just more parameters on it, and. You know, in the offseason, everyone has eternal hope and they're all buying and they all want to change things. You know, the weeks go quick and I think it's tough to do it during, you know, midseason. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it's just the burden of knowledge. Like you mentioned, everything's sunshine and rainbows in the offseason because we see this best case scenario laid in front of us and we truly believe it. And, and you make the moves that you think, okay, well, you know, so-and-so hasn't torn an ACL yet and so-and-so yeah, hasn't right. been benched yet. And, and and it's easy. And now it's like almost like this carnage over the five weeks of football and you're about to make a trade and click accept. And then it's like in the back of your head, it's like, so when's this guy going to get hurt? Or, you know, when's he going to stop performing? And it's just I, almost like a different psyche, I think, in season than it is in the off season as well. Yeah. And while we have everyone's attention, I wanted to talk about Loot Crate as well. They've been our sponsor Pretty much from the beginning, they've been great to us. Um, they have a theme going right now all about horror that only goes up until October 20th. So if that's something you want to get in on, jump on it now. So let me tell you a little bit about them. If you're looking for gear, collectibles, houseware, and more from your favorite pop culture franchise, they've got you covered. Loot Crate offers a range of geek and gamer items for less than 20 bucks a month. And if you go to LootCrate.com slash DynastyBlueprint, you save two bucks off that per month too. So it's less than 20 bucks a month minus two bucks. It's the only way to go. Loot Crate's theme for October is horror. They're taking 40 years of creepy, campy, bloody icons and putting them in this month's crate. Channel your best final girl with items from The Walking Dead. I'm a big Walking Dead fan. Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Halloween. Ryan, I don't know if you know this about me, but I don't handle scary movies well. I'm a big scary movie baby. But I like The Walking Dead. Those other ones are too scary for me. Anyways, you have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. When you have, And when the cutoff happens, it's over. Very scary stuff. Go to LootCrate.com slash Dynasty Blueprint. All right, Eric, before we wrap up, I, I did want to get your thoughts on just a couple of these players that are on your teams that uh, on, on each of these teams that have been a little disappointing. Um, let's start with Devonte Parker, uh, the Dolphins wide receiver. We, you know, he was projected just to have this huge breakout season. Adam Gaze is in town and that's going to make Tannehill better. And Parker ended last season. Well, and then it, it just hasn't gone that way. He's been hurt again. He, has he's lost snaps to Kenny Stills. Are you souring on Parker at all? Do you consider him a guy you would buy low? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I've always been on, uh, I guess, hashtag Team Landry, uh, which, you know, was like akin to like having a volcano erupt in the offseason to, to basically say like Jarvis Landry is still the wide receiver to own in Miami, not Devontae Parker. And I, and I own Parker in a couple of places. And 
I'm, I'm not souring yet. I'm still a believer that these, uh, like the 2014 class or even a guy like Amari Cooper last year are still outliers. There is like a discernible, you know, two to three year pathway. And Parker, you know, he missed some time in his rookie year and he missed some training camp this year. So he's still in the infancy of his development. And also that offense is just, you know, a steaming pile of hot garbage in and of itself. So a lot of guys these past couple of weeks haven't even had a chance. So, I mean, he's a guy I think I'd be more willing to try and, like, put some feelers out to see if anybody's selling low versus uh, looking to get him off my roster. I think that's well said, and I just came from that two-hour conversation. You know, the Steelers are going to Miami. I mean, they cut two offensive linemen this you know, on Monday – that they started on Sunday. <laughs> their, their, their offense is a nightmare. They, they need running backs. The offensive line is really the problem there. Tannehill's on his, what, his third or fourth coach. So I think now's the time to jump on them. And, uh, Ryan, I know you are going to ask about somebody else, but I just want to take a, a step back. We were talking about Alshon Jeffrey quite a bit. I was curious what you guys think, you know, what's the move on him? I tend to think the best is yet to come. I, I agree. I, I just, he, he's been super efficient. You know, I, I looked up the numbers last night. He's averaging just under 13 yards per target, which would be like a good season for a guy like Julian Edelman in yards per reception. So, I mean, right. he's just not getting the volume, which is befuddling, especially now that Kevin White is out. But I, I mean, I think after kind of last week with that last play of the game where, you know, he was wide open on fourth down, I think we're going to see a little bit of the squeaky wheel getting uh, greased and hopefully that'll be the, the start of, you know, what we know he's able to do and what he's proven before. Yeah. I don't think he's hundred percent healthy either. I think that could be the case. Eric and I talked about, uh, about Jeffrey last night on his show, which you can probably hear next week sometime (laughs) uh, I'm guessing, but, uh, yeah, I mean, neither of us, it seems like really has an explanation for what's happening there. It just doesn't make sense that Eddie Royal and Cameron Meredith and Zach Miller are getting targets ahead of Jeffrey. So, you know, maybe, maybe you're right, Matt, maybe it's, maybe he's not fully healthy. It, it just seems like he's sure to be gone uh, next year from Chicago. That's quite possible too. Uh, Eric, one last guy I wanted to ask you about before we wrap up is, is a guy I was not a believer on at all. Travis Benjamin made the move from, from Cleveland to San Diego and, and he's ended up through injury and, and, just honestly, his his impressive play being really the top target there for Philip Rivers. Um, Tyrell Williams is playing well too. Of course, Allen is out. I'm interested to see. You know, I think what we're seeing the past couple of weeks is what we're going to see the rest of the year. Um, Williams and Benjamin are both going to see a ton of looks mixed in with with some tight end, whether it's Gates or Hunter Henry. I'm really interested in your all's thoughts about this offense next year. You know, presumably Allen is back and healthy. Now they've got three really good wide receivers. Gordon looks a ton better this year. They've got uh, this rookie tight end, Henry, who, you know, we never see rookie tight ends do anything, and he's off to a good start. This could be a really good offense next year. Eric, what do you think about about Benjamin and really the entire Charger offense? Yeah, with Benjamin, I mean, this was a guy who was relatively cheap because in – the offseason, we all knew that Keenan Allen was the alpha on that offense and Antonio Gates was the red zone threat and, you know, what was going to be left, essentially, even though I, I do think Phillip Rivers is one of the better quarterbacks um, in the National Football League. And um, obviously now he's the de facto, I guess, number one guy up there with Tyrell Williams. And, yeah, I mean, if he stays healthy, he seems like a shoe-in, thousand-yard wide receiver and intermittently scoring you – uh, touchdowns. You know, he's a guy that in a in a very flexible league, I'm more than happy starting him over like, you know, some random top 25 running back. Um, if it was like a start three wide receiver league, he would make me nervous. I think as my wide receiver guy, I would rather shoot higher for like more like a Doug Baldwin type. I think, but I mean, yeah, he's he's a flex guy. I think I worse this year as long as he's healthy because Rivers needs to throw to someone. And then you know, moving forward, I, I still love Allen, and and I think the term injury prone just kind of gets thrown around too much. He, he's had these injuries that have nothing to do really with one another. I know, I guess he had the knee injury in college, but. Uh, I can't remember if that was the same leg or a different leg. Um, But, I mean, the one last year, that was just a complete freak injury, and he's still young. So 
I think he'll be back, and and uh, Hunter Henry's look good. It seems like they have a lot of pieces, but like every year, um, their O line just seems to get decimated. Like I don't understand it. I don't know uh, what's going on with them, but uh, I think if they could all just stay healthy, that has the looks of like a top five NFL and fantasy offense. I 100% agree, and I think you got. I mean, I think Ryan knows my thoughts on Rivers. I, I think he might be the most underrated player of this generation. I think he's a deserved Hall of Famer. I think he's playing as well as ever. Um, it, it, only the Falcons have scored more points than the Chargers this year. I mean, that blew me away. I mean, that that's hard to believe, and they still find ways to lose. I mean, they're they're plus ten in scoring, and they're one in five <laughs> or one in four. Um, you add Allen to that mix, you know, you add somebody else in the draft or the offseason. Uh, I, I think the line has some depth now for once. Uh, I think that's a very, very good offense. I've been super high on the Chargers since the offseason, but they just are snake bit or they don't know how to win or I don't know what it is. I mean, Rivers called them the bad news bears. Well, yeah, when, you know, you just look at the players who have – who they've had to place on injured reserve. You know, Eric, we were talking about our own injury woes on our fantasy teams. It, you know, imagine being the Chargers with <laughs> Allen and Woodhead and, and Teo and uh, it, Jason Verrett. Jason Verrett. And I think they lost one of their other uh, linemen. I'm, I'm not fam- not familiar with him. Can't think of his name. But, you know, it's it's a major injury every week to that team. And, and they're still competing. And, and, Matt, I agree with you as far as Rivers being underrated. You know, I was I was actually away from the TV last Sunday during the games and was listening to some radio coverage. And Rivers had thrown his, I guess, his first touchdown of the day. And they commented that that moved him into, I think, ninth place overall for career touchdown passes. And that, you know, that blew me away that he was that high. And and it just kind of made it sink in that, you know, we're this is this guy's a future Hall of Famer. And we just kind of take him for granted behind Ben and behind Eli and behind, you know, all these other guys. So I think he's underrated both in the NFL in general and in fantasy leagues. I think he's been a much better football player than Eli Manning from start to finish. All right. Well, that will do it for our show today. Eric, we want to thank you for joining us. Tell all our listeners where they can find your work. Yeah. So, um, I still, I'm obviously writing for uh, DLF. I think I have a biweekly piece on, uh, you know, buy lows, sell highs, those type of moves uh, called Tuesday Transactions. Should be out uh, next Tuesday, I think. You can find me on Twitter at EDH underscore 27. And then I'm doing work with uh, Carl Safchik and Jarrett Bihar on the uh, Dynasty One podcast. And um, obviously you should check out the episode, especially this week with uh, whenever that comes out, as Ryan was our guest, we're kind of flip-flopping roles uh, this week. And um, you can follow us on Twitter there at Dynasty One uh, Podcast. That's the number one. Eric, thanks so much. And we'll be back next week with more Dynasty Blueprint.